Welcome, nerdy knights of the well-rounded table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take those extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm queen of those queries and mistress of mistletoe and merrymaking, Sarah O'Connor. Welcome. Hello there. I'm Colleen McMillan, standing under that mistletoe and crying over Muppets in a Christmas movie. And I am IBC's head of programming, Anders Drew. Christmas Eve on IBC. You'll love it. That was great. Yule. <laughs> and I'm the carver of the roast beast for this hubilation, Flo Siegel. And I do have to light the sweatshirt. Yes. yes. Oh my God, yes. yes. It's magnificent. <laughs> and now it's turning off so that nobody gets a seizure and then sues us. Yes. Oh. Yeah, very good. <laughs> You know, all of us here, we come from very different places, very different circumstances, all walks of life, but one thing will always remain constant. Our hearts could always grow another size, or two, maybe three. Today on Bohemian Geek Studies, we are taking a dorky dive into our top 10 holiday movies, specials, and TV episodes. So beware, there will be spoilers for all of these titles and quite likely some adult content as we discuss which who's were getting down and dirty at that swingers party. So whether you are celebrating Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Life Day, Empire Day, Festivus, none or some of all of the above, grab an eggnog or a cider and join us as we discover the magic of the holiday season. So these top 10 are in no real particular order since we couldn't agree necessarily on the top of the top. But Anders, do you want us to get started on number 10? All right, absolutely, guys. And so starting off here, we are starting off with Mr. Hankey's Christmas Classics. That's right. This is South Park Season 3, Episode 15. Uh, it's currently available on HBO Max. So the premise of this holiday episode is that Mr. Hankey, that lovable, cheerful, festive piece of literal crap, um, really? hosts an old-fashioned old holiday sing-along with a lot of your favorite classics, um, with a bit of a South Park twist, and of course, some South Park originals. So for me, guys, I had to put this one on the list, <laughs> um, because this is actually my stand-in for what I dubbed Anders's annual animated holiday binge. Um, which is something I do pretty much every year. It involves seven or eight episodes of South Park, three episodes of Futurama, and like four or five episodes of Family Guy. All Can of you do list. it in like a sing-songy voice though? Like, <laughs> like what, five you? golden chickens. Da 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 dee da da dee da da. Seven South Park song. specials, <laughs> three Futuramas, and about five Family Guy shows. <laughs> But I chose this one as my kind of representation for this, just because it encompasses all of the fun of a holiday episode with the absolute absurdity of South Park. I mean, just look at this picture here. You've got Mr. Hanky, a piece of crap in the armchair by the fire. Flo mentioned, you know, she probably didn't watch this as a child because she was like seven when it came out. Indeed. <laughs> um, and her parents wouldn't let her watch it. Well, my story with this particular episode, the reason I picked it actually was because I was watching it and my mom and my sister came in the room and were like, turn this off. It's South Park. We want to watch, they wanted to watch like It's a Wonderful Life or something. I don't know. But I was like, it's only like 20 minutes. Come on, please. Can I finish it? And they're like, all right, fine. And right at that moment, Christmas Time in Hell came on. One of my absolute favorite songs from this episode. And my mom absolutely lost it. She thought it was the funniest thing she'd ever seen or heard. 
And because of that, she and I will watch this episode every year. And that's precious. And the soundtrack to it is in her rotation of like her Christmas her Christmas albums. That so is absolutely this particular precious. one is very near and dear to my heart. Well, I really liked the Hanukkah song. Um, that was a good one. Yeah, that one was a good one. One of my favorite lines was, I'll try to make it spin. Oops, it fell. I'll try again. <laughs> I mean, and, and also Cartman is usually an incredibly offensive character. And he was a little bit tuned, tuned down for this um, Hanukkah song. So I liked that they opened with a Hanukkah song and that Cartman wasn't as offensive as he normally is. I mean, he was still offensive, though. His, oh, his lines were Jews. Yes. They play stupid games. Jews, oh, that's yeah. why they're lame. Yes. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. No, no lies, though. Dreidel is a really stupid game. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. The The boy wasn't saying exactly the, the worst thing in the world. And I will mm -hmm. say, for Christmas Time in Hell, I thought it was funny that not only did it feature awful people, but actually some really nice folks like Princess Diana. And yes. it was catchy <laughs> AF. Everybody's in hell, though, in South Park. I know. Oh then the God, ending, I, I mean, Santa and Jesus there at the end doing like lounge singing, That's switching over to Duran Duran. That's so when, good. When Santa gets really mad because Christmas like technically is about Jesus. So there's a lot more Jesus-y <laughs> songs. Yep. That was good. I think though my absolute favorite was Ding Dongum K, Ding Dongum yes, K, Carol Ding Dongum K. <laughs> very, Mr. Mackey. All right. So um... Flo, will you please take us into our next one, which oh may take us a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our next movie that we're going to talk about is Home Alone. This movie came out in 1990, so it is as old as I am, because that's when I was born. Um, here's the premise, which we're going to really talk about in depth coming up. Uh, the premise is a little kid, Kevin McAllister, is left alone when his huge family travels to Paris and forgets him at home. He protects the house and himself from the wet bandits, two robbers with a ton of hijinks. Fun fact, this movie was directed by Chris Columbus, who also did the first and second Harry Potter movies. Um, and here we go. <laughs> All right. So Anders and I have been like raring to go for this movie because we have very differing opinions. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I love this movie, but you two are going to throw it down and it's going to be great. <laughs> so I, I do want to preface this with I don't actually remember watching the entire movie as a kid. I think I caught it on TV, like bits and pieces a couple times, but I didn't actually sit down to watch it until like, what, three weeks ago, something like that. Um, so I have a lot of like adult thoughts about this movie, but Anders, do you want to kick us off? Well, I mean, I think I first saw this movie probably when I was pretty young. I was two when it came out. Um, so sometime during the, the early to mid nineties yeah. when I saw it, I mean, I've seen this movie probably 30 times throughout my life. I was a rewatchable when I was younger. It still kind of is. I love this movie. It just stands up. It's so, so good. It is absurd. Of course, it's a movie. And I think that it's depiction of family, particularly through the eyes of like a seven or an eight year old is insanely accurate. Absolutely. So I am the youngest child in my family on both sides cousins wise I have one younger cousin which I'm pretty sure is exactly where Kevin was <laughs> in, yeah. at this point yep. in, Fuller, in terms Fuller's of placement younger. Fuller's the only one younger than him so I absolutely related to the attitudes of the family Kevin and Buzz's relationship is like pitch perfect in this movie for 
a rea- a real representation of like older younger siblings. Yep. But Flo, I know you you went through you went through and you have some thoughts well, particularly went, about I those things. <laughs> so I would like so I why don't why don't we go back to you? You can uh lay right. lay out your issues and we'll see if we can uh rebut change your and mind. I, I think maybe we should go one by one if there's if there's like a retort or a response. Cause I because I have also lived through airplane flying when I was really young. So I might be able to contribute a little bit of insight sure. too. So yeah, Flo, start us out. So my opening statement is this. This movie is the poster movie for when mandated reporters should call CPS. Damn. This is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I am outraged as a parent, as a teacher, as a human being, frankly, that this movie exists <laughs> now i know that we are doing a big home alone giveaway i am wearing a home alone shirt for god's sakes but all right let me back up this movie is very well made this movie is i can for sure see how this movie would be hilarious to a kid only because you know the kids get to prank the adults they win it's great whatever okay from an adult standpoint How those parents were able to keep those kids is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, Andrews, I'm very sorry that your family apparently called you a little jerk or whatever that uncle calls this kid. It is not okay to call kids names like that. And I'm very (laughs) upset about it. Uncle Frank sucks. Okay, can can I interject on that one? Please, please do. Okay, so we're going, so we're going here. We're talking about that moment. Kevin has just caused Buzz to almost like choke to death. Buzz ate his pizza knowing that that's the only pizza. Excuse me, may I finish? Can I finish? Please, can I finish? (laughs) (laughs) So here we are. Kevin has done that. So the sequence of events happens where Buzz nearly chokes to death. Everything gets spilled everywhere. Everything is like totally in chaos. Now, again, I am here as the youngest child. Would an uncle absolutely like read me out if I did that? Absolutely. Would Buzz, would something also happen to Buzz? Like have happened to Buzz about what he was doing and the fact that he ate food off my plate? Yeah, that would totally still happen. Would my uncle have called me a little jerk? Probably not. But again, this is a movie from the point of view of an eight-year-old. So whether or not he would have called me a little jerk, would I have heard that? 100% as, as like an eight-year-old. Then let's fast forward to right after this happens, where Kevin does get sent to bed without supper. That was sad. It is sad. But again, it happens, and he gets sent up, and his mom does still recognize his wish, recognize what he says about Fuller and say, fine, Fuller will sleep somewhere else. You go cool off by yourself, because that's what needs to happen right now. Yeah. That's pretty darn realistic for a large family gathering. For sure. Yeah. I agree. I completely and utterly agree as both the eldest child in like my blood relatives and also the middle child for step siblings. Totally 100% believable in a big family. Mm -hmm. Look, friends, I love you so much. So much. (laughs) We've had some weird upbringings, Flo. (laughs) And I have to, and honestly, I actually do want to preface this. I have not, these movies are not classics to me because my classics are all French movies. Mm. And so mm. I just like have a different frame of reference for holiday movies and just like how holidays are celebrated period. But that mom was wrong. 
That mom was wrong. She only sent up one kid when there were clearly at least two kids responsible, Buzz and Kevin. We don't actually know that for sure. We for sure know that. Buzz ate his fucking pizza. What the hell? No, I'm saying we don't know that nothing nothing happened to Buzz. Because we only have Kevin's perspective. Come on. Come on. Buzz gets away with a lot. Buzz gets away with everything. He's got freaking porn up in his room. Everybody knows about it. Nobody cares. Come on, Buzz. Again, very realistic as a former teenage boy. Very realistic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not here to porn shame Buzz. Buzz can go get it. All right. Good job, Buzz. However, Buzz is a shit brother and a shit son. And Kevin is also a shit son because he has had this horrible upbringing with a mom who's like, she literally was like, say that again when he said his stupid wish. It's like, what? My mom did that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. For sure. When I was like, I'm going to go run away. She's like, go. There's your suitcase. Yeah, that's the same thing my mom Absolutely. I cannot, I cannot tell you how many times when I was at a store, my mom would say, just go, walk away then. And I would, and then she would have to chase after me. It's totally realistic, Flo. I get it. My mom shoved me in a shower one time when I was having a fit, fully clothed. I get it. But is that good parenting that yeah. should be shown <laughs> in a movie that we are showing children that this is how adults treat children? No, we should be holding adults to a much higher standard because obviously we have a generation now full of trauma from this horrible parenting. So this movie should not be perpetuated any further (laughs) damaging the youth of America. I think they are remaking it. So maybe they'll change some of that stuff. I think this is just like a product of its era kind of thing. And I think you're right. I think you are right. And I think there was a lot more uh, permissiveness in what was shown on TV in terms of parenting. A hundred percent. I really don't think this would fly now. Again, when I watched it three weeks ago, I was shocked. It would have more slapstick, I think, to make it even more over the top, maybe. Yeah. And I think now... Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I think now, and considering Mm -hmm. the the limited exposure I have to most children's TV nowadays, which again, not that much, (laughs) to, to actual children's television, but now... And I mean, this even goes back to then. Parents in pretty much every single kid show are idiots. Yeah, they are idiots. They are neglectful. Like if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, <laughs> they're like there is so few examples of that type of like good parenting. But that's just the nature of the genre. And also in this movie, you need Kevin to be that upset to want to make that wish, which right. again. I've absolutely made that wish in my childhood that my family would just disappear. But then then you get the ultimate the ultimate realization that you know what they're really not that bad and they do actually care about me and I actually want to be with them. Family is messy, family is disgusting sometimes, but at the end of the day they are there for you absolutely. and you want to be with them. Yep. Yes. I mean, I she tries say- so hard to get back. That I love Catherine O'Hara in this movie. Did she? I love her. Oh yes, yeah, I mean she did. for for that time did, she did. Did she yes, really? She did. Did yes. she really? I think they so. tried calling from the plane. She tried to get the flight back. It wasn't soon enough. They ultimately I mean, traveling at Christmas time during storm season in the Midwest is just not gonna happen. Yeah. I mean they didn't I'm have sorry. really good de icing. I, I know you I know you have like your Southern California sun flow this time of year. The rest of us have to deal with snow and ice. <laughs> yeah, she I mean trying to get in I they should not have made the plan. The really one unrealistic thing is that they had 45 minutes to traverse O'Hare and make their plan on 
no, that would not happen. <laughs> no, 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 With that no, many no, people. no, no, no. I mean, that's um, a lot of people. I totally find that to be utterly believable. Having used to be an unaccompanied minor in airports. That's back one during, person. Like, <laughs> well, me and my little sister and my mom, we would have sometimes, bless her heart, 30 minutes to get through an entire airport and we would do it and like mom wouldn't have a flight but back in those days you used to be able to have anyone go to the gate with you yes. mm -hmm. so that chase scene and forgetting kevin during that chase scene i found it to be 100 percent plausible and believable like i have been there yeah, i have done him. that yeah i mean what this happens? is pre 9-11 airports so yeah. it is more believable now definitely impossible the more unrealistic one actually comes in the sequel when kevin manages to get on a different plane yes just by yes. saying oh yeah that's my dad right <laughs> right. right yeah i Team, I will say the second half of this movie is quite enjoyable. I enjoy the hijinks in the house when yes. he's by himself. I was actually talking to my students about this movie and of my nine students, about four, I think, had seen the movie and really mm -hmm. enjoyed it. They loved the, you know, the hijinks. They loved the strings making the people dance in the window. They thought that was so fun and cute. I agree with that. I Again, I think the second half of the movie is adorable. Kevin going to the store, asking for a dentist approved toothbrush. I think that's like the cutest thing ever. It's really that beginning abuse part that is really jarring to me. And I do not think that that mom did everything she could to get back to her kid. I don't. See, I mean, and me, I had to look away during some of the hijinkses because I found them to be so gross. Like, Anders had asked how many times should they have died? Like there were more than nine hijinkses, oh, yeah. but I counted at least nine times they could have utterly died. Like the BB yeah. gun, slipping on the steps, crowbar falling on the head, hand branding, like the nail in the foot with tar. I literally, it's a kid's movie and I had to look away. It was yeah. so gross. I knew I that they weren't going to show it, but like, yeah. Kevin, they Kevin. And we were left wondering whether or not Kevin had grown up to become j Jigsaw because it was so, <laughs> like, these these <laughs> plots and schemes were so elaborate. Actual fire to the head. Merry Christmas, one and all. <laughs> I will say, Joe Pesci is phenomenal in this movie. Yeah. Daniel Stern, too. I mean, they are perfectly yeah. cast. They are so well cast. <laughs> like, Pesci's freaking Academy Award winning actor <laughs> he's in this movie. <laughs> Oh, I do want to um, add, according to a Reddit thread, the um, old time movie clips like the You Filthy Animal are mm -hmm. not actually from real movies. Um, in Home Alone 2 and in Home Alone, they use the same technique. You cannot find these movies anywhere, just the sequences that were made for the movies. Yeah, yep. yes. Angels with Filthy Souls and Angels with Even Filthier Souls. <laughs> When I saw that, honestly, so again, I hadn't watched the movie in years and years and years. When I saw that he was watching Angels with Filthy Souls, I really thought it was going to be porn. Ooh, I thought yeah. it was like some weird porn thing. And I was like, Evan, what is he watching? You're like, I could not believe it. But, and then it wasn't. So that was kind of disappointing. I mean, well. if we do want to talk about some unrealistic parts of this movie, like the fact that the pizza delivery guy, after he thinks he's been shot at, doesn't call the cops. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, all the phones are down, Anders. Kevin managed to order the pizza. And well, the speaking of how did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> speaking of calling the cops, do we think we're ready for the next one? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yes. Let's call the cops. Sarah, you yeah. want to take us into this one? It's not going to work. Yeah, I can take us into Die Hard.
So you can find this pretty little uh, ditty on HBO, HBO Max. And the premise is an NYPD officer battles German terrorists inside a Los Angeles skyscraper who have taken his wife and several others hostage during a Christmas party. And you know what? We don't care, people. It is a Christmas movie through and through. Anders, do you want to um, share about your brother's Christmas party? Yes. So a couple of years ago, my brother um, was in a pinch. He needed a an ugly Christmas sweater for for a Christmas party, and so he just took an old gray sweatshirt he had, a red sharpie, and wrote the "Now I have a machine gun, ho ho ho" on it, and that's what he wore to the party. Genius. That checks out. I, like I think it was like his wife's family party too. That's a win. Right <laughs> it was there. a win. That was great. I love this movie, guys. <laughs> Yeah, so like I feel I feel a little bit uh, waffly about it. I love it. I love it more because Brooklyn Nine Nine, an excellent show, loves this movie so so hard. True. Um, and it is considered to be an absolute peak officer movie, and it's one in which we get to see Bruce Willis with actual hair. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's Alan Rickman's first major role. Hi, Severus Snape. How you doing? Knocking it out of the park with this first one too. Absolutely, is, Hans Gruber is consistently named as like one of the usually like one of the top five movie villains of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot because of Alan Rickman, his delivery, that kind of Shakespearean quality he brings to the role, that quietness, very Snape. Here, I mean, Alan Rickman is mm-hmm. a fairly quiet villain whenever he does acting for this kind of role. I love it revelation in this movie bruce willis too i mean he was a tv actor he got a pretty big paycheck for this movie and people dumped on him immediately they're like this tv actor can't be an action star because it was like schwarzenegger stallone jean-claude van damme yeah and then this movie became a hit and all of a sudden we have the joe schmo hero now who is like the audience surrogate the audience could be like well maybe i could do this I, I mean, they can't be Schwarzenegger, normal people, but they're like, I could maybe like wander around Nakatomi Plaza with no shoes on and defeat some terrorists. <laughs> it could happen. Walking over the glass. And he's so funny. Like he's sarcastic and whiny. And he just wants to like get his wife back, basically. He's not on some like super mission, like all the other super commando kind of people. And he his quips too are just, amazing that kind of new york new jersey attitude is fantastic they kind of brought this kind of cop around and that's like jake peralta like sarah said on brooklyn 99 loves diehard so he wants to be john mcclane yep i love it such a christmas movie too it's a christmas party they play a christmas song at the end everything about this they're like christmas 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 it's a christmas party people are on a plane and it's christmas and these kids are without their family on christmas like it is a christmas movie Mm-hmm. Well, anything further about this Christmas movie before we move on to the next one? Now I'm a little nervous that I I do just want to point out, number one, Bonnie Bedelia, um, also very good in this movie as mm-hmm. as Holly Gennaro. Not yes. McLean, Gennaro. Then McLean by the end. <laughs> Everyone in this movie is great. Isn't it Reginald Bell Johnson from Family yeah. Matters? Is the, as the, the cop. cop is too. It's so good. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> yeah. And then um, now I'm like, I'm having a bit of a, a trouble flashback. I'm trying to remember now if it is this one. I think it is this one, not this, not the sequel where he uses the um, the labels like for Christmas packages to, to paste yes. the gum on his back mm-hmm. to hide it. Yeah. Well, he does it in um, Die Hard with a Vengeance too. 
yeah. when uh, Sam L finds the gun taped to his back and he's like, oh, good, God, you at least had something to protect yourself. <laughs> With a Vengeance is also fantastic, but that's definitely not a Christmas movie. Well, Colleen, do you want to do the next one for us? Yay. And this is one that I don't have anything to add to. So <laughs> I love, love this movie. This is another staple from growing up childhood. My mom loves this movie. Even my dad laughs at it and he's not big on chuckles. My dad, he's just like, oh yeah, that's a good movie. This one actually makes him like full on laugh. It, the premise is the Griswold, the Griswolds from other mm-hmm. National Lampoon's movies are preparing for Christmas, but things never run smoothly for Clark. His wife, Ellen, and their two poor kids. Clark's continual bad luck is worsened by his family guests, as it usually is, but he keeps going, thinking of that Christmas bonus that's coming in. He's going to make a fool, you guys. This is actually available on demand via cable on AMC. Uh, I don't know if they eliminate swearing on AMC for movies like this. I think they still do, to a degree. So if you can, get the actual version, because if you don't hear Randy Quaid's Cousin Eddie say shitter's full, is it even... Christmas vacation for real. Uh, Anders, you have a story about this movie too. Yeah, so I mean, this is, I mean, I've, I love this movie. I've seen it several times. It's not one of the ones that I like make sure I watch every year, but I still love it. And th- so, my family, we have always had a thing about getting like nice, big, fat Christmas trees. And it's like, we're like known for it amongst all of our friends or whatever. They come over and they're just like, how did you get this thing in the house? Like, what the hell? So every year, whenever like we send out a photo of the tree, inevitably someone sends back a GIF or a GIF of like them opening the tree and it just like exploding out, breaking the windows and stuff. Because we have actually, we've never had one that broke the windows, but we have had trees in the past that actually spanned the entire width of the room. Wow. And we will post a picture of Anders' family tree on social media. There's a big tree. (laughs) It is a big tree. That one's still, though, that one's definitely not one of the largest ones that we've had. That's definitely average to even slightly below average. So, so it's not a big bush is what you're saying. It's, it's not, not, as not big a full as big bush. Be. It's not as big <laughs> as it could be. It's not like the one that we had that we literally... We had one one year that broke the bailing machine at the uh, at the tree farm when they were trying wow. to wrap it up. It actually broke it. And we had another one where the tree farm flat out refused to even try and put it through their bailing machine. That was the like, one we could, ended up not being able to get in the house. So we just put it on the back porch, went back and got another one. I'll tell you right now, I've never seen a tree like the one that you have in California. They don't make trees like that. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> It's got an apple bottom jeans kind of bottom. That's like, right. That's a, that's a big mm-hmm. tree. Looks great. It, it's in the running for like a a Disney mom. Yes. Exactly. A Pixar mm-hmm. mom. A Pixar mom. Yeah. Pixar mom. Pixar mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So can I talk about how this movie is ridiculous? It is absolutely yeah, ridiculous. That's so part ridiculous. of the point. So Look, that's the thing. That's the point. <laughs> okay. But there's ridiculous. And then there's this movie. So this movie, we know, I don't recall ever really watching with my family, but my family's really into National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation. We watch that. I like, love Vegas every, Vacation. Every single year. I mean, don't tell me that movie's not ridiculous. That movie is ridiculous. Love it. Love that movie. This movie, I just watched again, um, like four days ago, something like that, with my husband. And we both stared at each other like, what is this? How is this funny? Everything is just very, very, like, physical comedy poor poor Clark just keeps getting battered and like 
you just feel so bad for him because he's trying to do this nice thing for his family and he just like can't like the lights don't work he like staples himself to the roof he falls off the ladder like the neighbors are assholes like what all this family comes in unexpected that has happened to me it is not fun yeah so i just i feel really bad for this guy also i don't think the kids are as funny in this one as they are in other movies like they're I'll give really, you that. I'll, I'll I'll give you that one too. Yeah, which is really weird because they're two very good actors. So it's like yeah. they should be funnier than this. That that although Audrey with her eyes frozen open is pretty damn funny. <laughs> she I can't blink, Clark. She's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not as funny as Audrey becoming a stripper in Vegas. <laughs> okay, I love Audrey becoming a stripper in Vegas, and there is nothing better than Rusty becoming Mr. Papa Giorgio in Vegas. That is peak, <laughs> yes. peak. Well, that's um, Ethan Embry, right? So he's even, he's just hysterical. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. I love that. Having oh, an entourage is expensive. I do have to show oh. this before we move on to a new thing. This is my favorite Christmas decoration that I have. This is the Advent House from Christmas oh. Vacation. Oh. All the doors oh open gosh. up and it lights up. I love it so much. I did I like the it. Advent House. That was it's that so was a really cute way to do the like beautiful. little cuts and see the days mm. go by. That was cute. So yeah, overall this movie's probably like a two out of ten for me. This is weak. Damn, this is like I'm top, really curious this is top now. three for me. I'd say this is this might be like my it's top ten. Flo, now I'm actually just kind of curious, just based on your comments from this, where do you stand on like the Monty Python movies? Um, I stand on I've never seen them. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's much to my dad's chagrin, but I grew up as a, a teenager who, if my dad liked it, I was not watching it. So that's that's where I stood. You are just missing out on life. I know. Oh, that's Brian. right here. I mean, I, I like lots of other things. <laughs> <laughs> at least see Holy Grail at some point because it is ridiculous and amazing. And yes. I just well, don't do very well with that kind of humor. Like, I, yeah. It's just too well, much. Well, speaking of things that you do do well with, do you want to take the next one, Flo? Sure. This one we have watched about 70,000 times in my, in my house the past couple months. This is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, which came out in 93. Um, so, you know, peak 90s. This is available on Disney+. Plus. And it is about Jack Skellington, the king of Halloween Town, who discovers Christmas Town in the woods, but his attempts to bring Christmas to his home causes chaos. Um, this is not directed by Tim Burton, which is a common misconception. It was actually directed by Henry Selleck. The animation in this movie is really different. Like, this really felt very original when it came out. Yeah. Now, of course, we have some, like, more Tim Burton movies that are like this like Coraline and things like that um but this this was really interesting and some people consider this a Halloween movie some people consider this a Christmas movie at Disneyland it's considered both because <laughs> they redo the Haunted Mansion for Halloween to be Nightmare for Christmas and that spans until they take the decorations down in January that's awesome and this is currently my three-year-old daughter's favorite movie she can sing the entire thing every single day she goes Mommy, why is Jack sad? Is it because he's not being himself? So <laughs> Nailed it, kid. Nailed oh, it. Oh my god, that's adorable. From so the we should soundtrack every day. 
Was she ever scared of the Oogie Boogie Man? Because I totally was. And sometimes I still am. (laughs) So, I am very scared of this movie. I was scared of this movie as a kid. I am scared of this movie as an adult. And I'm like very concerned that my daughter is not scared of this movie. And Oogie Boogie is actually her favorite character. Wow. When we went to Disney World, she got to pick like an end of trip gift. And she picked an Oogie Boogie plush. Wow. See, I think that that would be kind of cute, but like the Oogie Boogie himself, like if an Oogie Boogie just showed up in my house, like Elf on the Shelf, I would be so terrified. <laughs> well, um, so Oogie Boogie, so this is a very cute story. Oogie Boogie brought Charlotte her Halloween gifts this year because obviously like we couldn't go do a lot of uh, fun like Halloween things. Yeah. Retreating was pretty limited. So Oogie Boogie brought her like a new dress and some candy and she was over the moon. And so every time she sees this movie now and Oogie Boogie shows up in like the moon part, just in the opening song, she just runs the TV and goes, thank you for my presence, Oogie Boogie. So yeah, no, she loves maggot filled bags. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in a gambling addict? That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. It's all good. Um, it's scary. One thing that's super cool about The Nightmare Before Christmas is it actually originated as a poem that was written by Burton in 1982 while he was working as an animator at Walt Disney Productions. And and this guy just kept hustling to make this become a reality. I think that's so flipping cool. Yeah. Yeah, very, very cool. My mom hates this movie, you guys. Hates it. Like with a fiery passion. My mom hates too. it so much. And my brother and I really like it. It's not like top five for me, but the voice work is great. Is Catherine O'Hara is in this again? Mm-hmm. We have her in another Christmas movie. I love her. I love Sally. Sally's song, her lament, is so beautiful. Yeah. And the voice work too. I mean, Jack Skellington is Prince Humperdinck himself, Chris Sarandon, and then the singing voice is Danny Elfman, which is amazing. Who did the score, and I was I didn't know Danny Elfman could sing like that. Like, get yeah. after it. It's fantastic. The soundtrack Mm -hmm. is incredible. I'm just like super freaked out by Sally and the weird Dr. Finkel. The doctor is creepy. He's crap out of me. He's Mm -hmm. very creepy. Yeah. Well, now that we're all creeped out, Flo, I know that you just went, but this next movie is kind of like all yours, Bugaboo. So (laughs) why don't you oogie boogie us to the next one? This is my sleeper pick. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about the Trolls Holiday Special. Um, Again, a classic at my house. This came out in 2017. We actually didn't watch it for the first time until quarantine hit in March. Um, It is available on Netflix. It is about 20 minutes long. So if you have 20 minutes to just like inject some fun into your day, go watch the Trolls Holiday Special (laughs) with lots of glitter. Um, And the premise is when the queen of trolls, Poppy, and we find out later she's queen of the pop trolls, okay, for those of you who are world tour heads, uh, we find out the Bergens, including her friend Bridget, do not have holidays. And so they keep sending her these hilarious cards from like Wednesday mid-morning. Hilarious, honestly love this movie. She enlists help from her friends, including Branch, to help her bring holidays to the Bergens. And I am, we we have watched this probably 50 times minimum. And I can sing the entire holiday rap, which I won't, but I could. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll put it on Instagram if you're very, very lucky. And I just think it's so funny. It's so cute. We're also very fond of the part where <laughs> they 
shout out Rosh Hashanah and call it Mosh Hashanah, and it's like a mosh pit party. Obsessed with that <laughs> part. Spoiler. And it's just so cute. It's super lighthearted. Um, nothing is scary in it. And the songs are great, and everything is precious. And I liked the felt stop motion. I thought that was very precious. Have you seen the original Trolls? No. It's but I did like watch that. this for you. Thank I you. I love you. you. <laughs> I also did. You guys like, I haven't cool. seen Trolls, yeah. but I will watch this. It's cute. My cats did not trolls. like Balloon Squeal Day at all. Oh. <laughs> Duncan didn't move, so I'm guessing his hearing is going. Aw, Duncan. Aww. Yeah, Balloon Squeal Day is not the best kind of day. I like um, the one where they put a gem in their belly and then tell people to rub it. I love that one. <laughs> I like the sock wrap day as well. Oh, that yeah. was maybe my favorite. There's just a lot of great ones. And you just like feel really bad for the Bergens because <laughs> poor King Gristle is just getting attacked with glitter and all sorts of other things. And at the end, you find out that Poppy was trying to change them too much. And that's just like a really lovely sentiment that, you know, you can just be there for people and appreciate what their traditions are and you don't have to change people. So that's really nice. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah colleen do you want to take the next one for us love sure i will our next one number four is elf Classic. look at will ferrell just yes. chilling right there oh man i love this so it is very cute the narwhal is my favorite part of the entire movie favorite oh, yeah. part. bye buddy hope you find <laughs> your dad <laughs> best part of the whole movie this is about buddy the elf after discovering he is human a man raised as buddy the elf decides to travel to new york city to locate his real father walter who is a total and utter scrooge for real mm. james can also giving it his all in this movie when walter's relationship with buddy interferes with his job walter is forced to reevaluate his priorities at christmas time that old that classic is, gem i know right and zoe deschanel also in this movie is really Amazing. really oh, she's really fantastic. cute the ribbon oh. curl things that's impossible Inches. Inches. <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> Literally, that is impossible for you guys. This movie is directed by our favorite John Favreau. Seriously, what can't this man do? It's fantastic. Who played the doctor? <laughs> this movie, really fast DNA test to Doc. Excellent. Yeah, super fast. Mm -hmm. At this point, he was fairly untested as a director. I mean, he'd done Swingers and had some success. But this was pretty big. I mean, he didn't hit it super big until Iron Man and the MCU worked. And then all of a sudden, he was like this wonderkind. But now we go back to Alf and we're like, oh, he already was good. We just yeah. really hit with MCU. And now with Mandalorian, he's kind of cemented his place as this generational director that I think we'll look back on and be like, he's definitely one of our big creators at this point. Love it. I was actually thinking about this the other day, like as you know, we were putting together all this stuff. I, I was thinking about it like, if this movie hadn't worked, he wouldn't have gotten Iron Man and we would not have Iron Man in the MCU as we know right. it. We would not have Mandalorian. Right. Like all of that really does come back to this, this movie right here and making it yeah. absolutely work. And he was adamant from the beginning that this would ultimately become a timeless Christmas classic. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And it is. And it will he survive it forever because it's so funny. And Will Ferrell's performance is so warm and heartfelt. Well, speaking of what a, like, mammoth of a movie this is, it grossed over $220 million worldwide against a $33 million budget. 
Awesome. Moreover, it inspired the 2010 Broadway musical Elf the Musical and NBC's 2014 stop-motion animated television special Elf Buddy's Musical Christmas. That and pretty good. It's listed among the greatest Christmas films of all time, not just on our list, but like as as a lot of other people's Christmas lifts. And I can't imagine anyone else playing the role besides Will Ferrell, but Jim Carrey was also almost cast for as the elf, which is wild to me. He doesn't have enough warmth. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Grinch. Yep. Yep. This Man, movie, we'll get there in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is like peak for me. So like when I think of holiday movies, I think of Elf, probably because I was 13 at that point and I was able to go to movies without my parents. And so we like went to go see Elf with my friends and I thought it was so funny. And we didn't watch movies like this at my house. So it was just a really special movie. And plus, like, just the idea of the holidays in New York City just makes me feel really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I just love, love, love this movie. Love it. When they're all singing for the sled to go. Oh, that was precious. Love. That's great. I do. I do like when you just have to believe enough. I do. I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> Same. The clausometer. You needed to make it work. Well, anything anything else for this one? Otherwise, Anders, why don't you move us on to our next one? I just I can't I can't let this movie slide without throwing out, you know, you sit on a throne of lies and you smell like meat and cheese. Like that That's is just something so that has good. absolutely worked its way into my everyday vocabulary. <laughs> Anytime yes. I think someone's like not being fully truthful, it's like you sit on a throne of lies. Yeah. I feel like there are so many amazing lines in this movie that they you really find are. yourself quoting and you're like, oh yeah, that's from Elf. Anytime like, anytime someone's like not in a good mood, you just turn to the person next to you. He's an angry elf. Speaking right. of that, freaking Tyrion Lannister. So good. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so good. Man, it's all just great. Uh, yes. All right. So next up, though, we have one of my personal favorites, Scrooged. Bill Murray, 1988. Uh, This movie is not currently streaming for free anywhere. Maybe like on demand if you have cable. I think it's on, it might be on AMC right now. But the premise here, a selfish, cynical television executive is haunted by three ghosts bearing lessons on Christmas Eve. And everything about this movie is just absolutely hysterical. It's a little bit darker. Um, The opening sequence to this movie is probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen where they're doing all the promos for all the Christmas specials that are coming to this TV network. And it starts with terrorists trying to see Santa's workshop and Santa and all of the, all the elves grab their machine guns and to defend things. And of course, Lee Majors turns up. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they took that entire concept and made it into the upcoming Mel Gibson movie, Fat Man. <laughs> so if you have never seen the promo, the promo for The Night the Reindeer Died, I highly recommend it. That's funny. That's funny. Um, but the absolute crux of this movie is Carol Kane as the ghost of Christmas present. This abusive physical comedy going on between her and Bill Murray during these scenes is just unparalleled. She hits him with a toaster. <laughs> I once, we do a, um, we started doing like a Yankee swap for a big like Christmas party several years ago. And one year I actually put a toaster in as the thing. 
and I immediately could tell when the person opened it who in the room got it and who didn't, who understood. Um, and once again, thanks to my brother, I actually have, as part of my Christmas decorations, a little framed photo of Carol Kane as this, and it has the quote on it, you know, I like the rough stuff. <laughs> oh, do you, Anders? All right. Yes, <laughs> she does. Yes. But what, what is a Yankee Christmas exchange? What is happening there? The Yankee so, swap? The yeah, white elephant, would... like, pick, oh, okay. you can either trade or pick a new one, like that whole deal. Do you guys not um, call it Yankee swap in Narnia? Nope. nope. No. <laughs> but we speaking. Gift swap, Yankee swap, white elephant. White elephant. Take your yeah, pick. It's like white elephant. <laughs> Speaking of picking another one, Bill Murray and director Richard Donner reportedly did not enjoy working together when asked by a film critic, uh, Roger Ebert, if he had any disagreements with Donner, Murray replied, quote, only a few every single minute of the day. <laughs> that could have been a really, really, really great movie. <laughs> the script it was, is. <laughs> I know. The script was so good. There's maybe one or two takes in the final cut of the movie that is mine. We made it so fast. It was like doing a movie live. He kept telling me to do things louder, louder, louder. I think he was deaf. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Savage. Bill Murray has a lot of people that say he's difficult to work with. So I'm sure this was not the first time this has happened. <laughs> I think it's a fantastic movie. I think his performance is great. That deadpan <laughs> delivery works perfectly against all of these other huge, larger-than-life personalities in the movie. Like it just works. It's fantastic. I think this is the scariest version of The Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come. Hmm. It terrified yeah. me when I was younger and watched this. When he opens the cloak and those freaking screaming people are inside. When you're a little kid, that's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> Bam, next room. Now it's funny. I mean, it does have the dark humor... But at that point, uh, and the ending is really great. It's it very is. sweet. A new it's... good Christmas song for us. I just, I, I love everything about this movie. <laughs> I really do. Shout out. It took me so long to realize. Mice. <laughs> so long to realize. Alfie Woodward, Woodward is in this movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Bob Cratchit. <laughs> Speaking of another movie that you love, Anders, do you want to take the next one too? Sure. This one might just, so when it comes to like my top Christmas movies, Scrooged and this next one are always like vying for that number two slot. Um, we have The Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> this movie so is absolutely perfect. It is available on yeah. Disney+. Plus. Again, it's another version of A Christmas Carol. Um, the original one was published by Charles Dickens in 1843. It has been done a million times like you're not a franchise if you don't have a version of this <laughs> you're yeah. not a tv show if you don't have a version of this you're not a movie franchise if you don't somehow work this in here somewhere so the muppets did this in 1992 and gonzo being the narrator is charles dickens everything about this movie the soundtrack is absolutely spot on one more sleep till christmas probably is my favorite Christmas song of all time. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and then the thankful heart at the end when he's going through the town. Um, but I mean, I could gush about this movie for a while. Colleen, I think this is up there for you as well. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie so much. This was um, the first Muppet film after Jim Henson had passed away. So it is dedicated to him. 
and they, I think, exceeded his expectations would have been for a movie like this. It is heartfelt and lovely. Great performances from the Muppets and the humans that are in this mm-hmm. movie who are just like, yeah, this is the normal world. Muppets aren't weird. This is great. Yep. Uh, Brian Henson actually directed this. It's Slate Father's creation, of course. And it was his directorial debut. He's gone on to do a lot of other things, but this, I'm sure, is one of his passion projects. And he did such a good job, you guys. <laughs> I, Michael Caine is my favorite Scrooge. And I've seen so many. I like Patrick Stewart and George C. Scott. And Bill Murray, of course, is a really great Scrooge. But Michael Caine, for me, is this, he's perfect. He looks great. He sounds great. He interacts with all of the characters perfectly. He even gets to do his little kind of like Rex Harrison singing at the mm-hmm. end where he's not like the best singer, but his voice is nice enough where he can actually get away with it. <laughs> Miss Piggy, fantastic. <laughs> uh, Miss Piggy is, as Miss Cratchit is just so fantastic. Yes. She's about, she's yes. about to deck him out yes. when he's like, I'm giving your husband a raise. I'm gonna raise you right off the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously, I weep during this movie, you guys, because Tiny Tim does die. There is a timeline where he dies, and Scrooge yes. experiences that, so he does die. My brother likes to say, Tiny Tim, who did not die? In <laughs> Gonzo's line, so that I will stop crying and start laughing instead. I, when Tiny Tim sings the Bless Us All song, I'm just oh, wrecked. It's so good. And seeing his little chair with the crutch and his hat and scarf on it, I'm just done. I'm already like trying not to get emotional about this. <laughs> it makes me so sad. Every every single Muppet too is perfect. I mean, Fezziwig is the actual character's name, and you have Fozzie Bear. That yes. just works so perfectly. Just throw it right into the role. And Brizzo as the audience surrogate. Just being like, this is ridiculous, you guys. I just need some food. <laughs> Rizzo is the best in all Muppet movies. Rizzo yeah, really is. is a king. Yes. <laughs> Putting him with Gonzo was a genius idea. Oh, so good. So, so good. Because he's the straight man next to Gonzo, who's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. And the best line, my favorite line is, no cheeses for us, Mises. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think is super cool is Michael Caine absolutely loved playing the miser with all the, quote, cute little puppet or Muppets around. And I am a total sucker for any movie with puppets in them, especially when the puppets are well done. And what's amazing is there were over, there were 280 Muppets that were used during this movie and they worked beneath a raised up stage. And most of the team that was working for the Muppets had been together for over 15 years. So it was truly a labor of love with a well-oiled team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not my top Muppet movie, but it is a really good one. I'm a Treasure Island kind of girl. I I think Treasure Island's my number two. And then Caper's my number three. Treasure Island was the only one that we had on VHS, so it's the one I watched the most, and I just, I love it. So and I think just one more one more quick point about Michael Caine in this movie. Like yeah. when they approached when they approached him to do this, they we're doing like a Muppet version of a Christmas Carol, we want you to be Scrooge. He was like adamant. He was like, All right, but if I'm gonna do this. I'm playing it straight. Like I'm going to act as though they are actual humans and that this is like a classic West End production. Yes. And that choice just makes the whole movie yeah. work. Yeah. Right. It right. Because you believe it because he believes it. It's great. Right. Yep. When he gets to like finally smile, it's so great. When he's with the ghost of Christmas present, who I'm glad they made not a dick. 
because in a lot of versions, all of the ghosts are assholes, and that includes the ghost of Christmas present. So having mm-hmm. him be like that Santa version, and when he fades away in the graveyard, that is kind of devastating because that's like Scrooge, my one friend. <laughs> <laughs> I had one friend, and now he's gone. It's so good. So this good. ghost and of Christmas future used to freak me out. Yes, yeah. This one is also really scary. The Grim Reaper stuff is like this is for kids. Even Gonzo and Rizzo leave. <laughs> it's culture. <laughs> and Statler well, I, and Waldorf are great as more at least too. Oh, yes. Well, I think we can now move on to our final and number one movie, and that is The Grinch, which is technically three separate movies. The premise of this movie is a grumpy hermit with the cutest dog ever hatches a plan to steal Christmas from the Who's of Whoville. And Flo, I know this is a big one for you, so why don't you take it away to the extent that you want? And you can, you can find this on YouTube in like five different broken up parts, so you yeah. can watch it even if you don't have it at home. I'm going to let Anders take this one first because this is his favorite, and then I'll talk about my favorite adaptation. I won't take Perfect. that away from you, Anders. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Flo. Thank you. You're welcome. So this one, the original one from 1966, um, where Boris Karloff does the narration and all the audio is absolutely like my it is my number one christmas thing this is the one that we always watched when we were younger still to this day i mean kind of like when i'm with people and people want to put this on i have to kind of gauge the room because if i am not stopped i will absolutely just say the entire thing along with it (laughs) and i have to be because not everybody appreciates that when you're trying to actually sit down and watch it so you know gotta gauge um I mean everything everything about this the old style old style animation is just perfect the timing the the music that is included in it is just beautiful it has that really really positive message there at the end i just it holds just like such a special place for me and i absolutely absolutely love this one um so does anyone have any other comments on the original Yes, yes. Did they okay. make him green for the cartoon? Because in the book, I yes. don't remember him being green. No, he's he's white in the book. They made him green specifically for the animated Such uh, a special. Good yes. Yeah, so it's originally from the 1957 children's book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And what's interesting is the first use of the word Grinch in a work by Dr. Seuss appears in the 1953 book, Scrambled Egg Supper. Um, another fun fact that I find to be really interesting is Bor- uh, Boris Karloff's voices changes when he speaks for the Grinch. Mm-hmm. Originally, he spoke in his quote-unquote narrator voice throughout, but after the recording was complete, the highs in his voice were re- mechanically removed for the Grinch, giving him that gravelly voice heard in the finished version. And kind of some connections to our other movies, obviously with the characters anti-Christmas spirit followed by this transformation which was absolutely wonderful on christmas morning scholars have noted a similarity between ebenezer scrooge from the charles dickinson's 1843 novella a christmas carol sorry guys you're okay very true i mean charles dickens almost reinvented christmas with a christmas carol so there's so many connections throughout a lot of christmas stories to him and mm-hmm. Scrooge and the meaning of Christmas being family and togetherness and giving and caring 
Like, good job, Charles Dickens, just trying to make a nice little penny off yeah. of a story, and you've created Christmas. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love then, the original Grinch. It's so sweet. And then the final fun fact that I have is, like, you know, the heart growing two sizes or three sizes big. Three sizes um, that day. Yeah, three sizes that day. Thank you, Anders. Cardiologist David Cass suggested that the rapid growth in the Grinch's heart at the end of the story indicates that the Grinch has the physiology of a Burmese python um, <laughs> because he's also as charming as an eel because Burmese pythons hearts grow as well, which is really wild. Yeah. He does slither around the tree, so he's got some. He does. He Nakiness. takes every present. But all right. So that was the original and my personal opinion, the best. So Mine Flo, too. Yes. Flo. Whatever. Would you, <laughs> would you like to take this next one? Yes. Um, so the best version, obviously, is the 2000 version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which is available on Netflix. Um, and it is, of course, the Jim Carrey version. I maintain that it's the best. I think, so let me go back again. We did not have the book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas at my house. I had never seen the original when I saw the 2000 version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So this is my original version. Again, my family is French and we didn't do things like this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I saw this one. So I was in fourth grade in 2000. I'm pretty sure I saw this one in theaters with my family. And I thought it was hilarious. I, didn't, I don't think I even knew this came from a book. But my number one thing about this movie, besides the amazing one-liners that Jim Carrey delivers, which, I mean, we could run through them if you want, but my number one is when he's going through his schedule and he's like, I can't cancel again, you know? <laughs> love that. Oh, my God. It's such an in intro. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, just love it so much. But really, so I have since seen the other versions of The Grinch, and I read The Grinch to my class. I actually have it right behind me right now. Um... I really enjoy this depiction of Cindy Lou Who. She's like really non-existent in the original one and she's kind of non-existent in the book. She gets like two pages where she's basically just like, why are you doing this? Why? And that's it. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one, we get a very fully fleshed out Cindy Lou Who, who is really grappling with something that I really grappled with as a kid, which is what is Christmas? What does it mean? Is Santa real? Which was really traumatic for me as a kid. Uh, like really traumatic. Um, and so I just really appreciate that. And a fun fact for me is I love this movie so much that when it came time, I was a figure skater for many years, about 15 years. And as a senior, you got to do a solo in the winter show. And I did my solo to Where Are You Christmas? From this movie. Oh, so. I love that song so much. Faith if I can find the video, it. I'll put it on social media for you yes. to see my yes, figure skating I agree with you about Cindy Lou. Taylor Momsen plays her. Oh, amazing. And she's just so cute in this role. And, and I really like that part so that it gives the Grinch somebody to work with. Yes. Like Jim Carrey needed somebody to play off. Yes. And this was just a really good choice to have a fee. This little girl. Because, of course, the old grumpy person is going to be won over by the Tiny Tim figure. <laughs> and then, like, I just have to talk about the amazing sexual tension in this movie. <laughs> Christine Baranski is, like, throwing fastballs at 110 miles per hour in this movie. I mean, she's amazing. Martha May is 
she is everything. When she is lighting her house with that like light gun and then she blows it out, I have never seen anything sexier in my life. <laughs> what if we stuck Anakin Skywalker right next to her? Oh my God. Yeah, that would be, if I were to make my dream movie, it would be Martha May next to Hayden's Anakin. <laughs> What a movie that would be. Um, I just love it. And I love the like backstory of the Grinch, the flashbacks that we see in school with Martha May and how the Grinch gave her that like really effed up but took a lot of time angel. And it's just, it's so cute. Makes her way into her hairpiece later on. In she the likes it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she loves it. He's cool. He's well, she's all about it. She's like twirling her hair and like flirting with him. God, I love Martha May so much. So just love it. Love this movie everything about it. I do have an edit for our next one, and I don't know if you guys would know this. So obviously we're gonna talk about the newest adaptation of The Grinch, the 2018 version. And I have to say, it is no longer available on Netflix. Oh. Um, what? I was gonna watch Justin, that. I was literally gonna watch that like later it's, today. It's streaming somewhere. My mom was watching Just in it, time but... for the holidays. Removed. Exactly. And it was, there was like a huge outrage among the parent community because a lot of our kids have become obsessed with it, including my own daughter. And they removed it, what, maybe a month ago now? And it is uh, very disheartening that they wonder, have removed it from Netflix. I wonder where it is where my mom was watching it. It may be somewhere. Mm. We have YouTube. It's, no, it's, it's only for renting and buying at this point. Oh, there you wow. go. According to Just Watch. Oh, wow. moving, into, moving into this one, though, the 2018 animated Grinch with Benedict Cumberbatch. This, I think, is my number two of the three versions. And mm -hmm. I just... I will give you the Cindy Lou Who and Martha May, like, but I think the live action Jim Carrey one, it was it was a little too dark for me. And I mean that quite literally. The color palette of that film is very dark, very Tim Burton-esque, mm -hmm. which is just not what I would think of with the Grinch. And I also really like the Cindy Lou Who in this one too. She's you know, great. She's, in she's this an one. inventor. She's got she's very inquisitive. She's got that whole thing. And I love what they do, the stuff with her mom. Yes. Like you just feel for her. And Cumberbatch and this Max is just hilarious. Oh, Max, so good. <laughs> Max is the Max. all star of these movies. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah. He, he does everything. <laughs> Poor freaking Max. Yes. Something that I just like love about the Grinch movies, regardless, is just that there is a Grinch for everyone, and that's yeah. like really Very the true. beauty of the Grinch. And so the animated Grinch, the latest one, is really the Grinch that my daughter sees, and that's. She calls the the live action one the new Grinch because the real Grinch is the animated one for her. And it just has so many incredible moments. Tops for our family is <laughs> the carolers just singing God rest you merry gentlemen chasing the Grinch through the town. It is so funny. And then Charlotte like loses her mind when the Grinch like eats a pickle and then spits it back out in the jar. She just like adores that part. But yeah, Cindy Lou. Pickles she's, are gross. Um, excuse me, you're wrong. That's fine. Yeah, totally oh wrong, God. but that's fine. Such uh, a weird take. <laughs> yeah, that, that was Shocked. the take of this episode. We can wrap it up now. <laughs> oh, but no. yeah, Cindy Lou, just wanting to help her mom is like the sweetest thing ever. And the fact that she's going to go walk to the North Pole to go tell Santa is just like mm -hmm. precious, precious. Do we want to get to those honorable mentions, friends? I think so. Sure, so we have, do it. obviously we did this as a, as a quote unquote top 10 
not in a particular order, but there are several, I think, that we all watch every year that we enjoy that we just would not feel right without giving a shout out to. <laughs> so Colleen, would you like to start us off with your honorable mentions? This one cracked my top five just this year, just saw it this year. Watched it twice, pretty much back to back, once by myself and once with my mom. Sobbing mess, watching it both times. It is Klaus, which is still available on Netflix to watch. Mm -hmm. Really great for kids. Very funny. A little Tim Burton-y in the beginning with the dark humor. Just fantastic movie. Uh, the next one, a lot of people haven't seen, is called One Magic Christmas. Also darker in its themes, not just color palette, but the themes. Mary Steenburgen plays a female version of Scrooge, who's just trying to get by for her family at Christmas. She's wonderful in this movie. Harry Dean Stanton plays Gideon, who is the best Christmas angel of all time. Sorry, Clarence. You've been knocked off your pedestal by Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> Good try, but no. Miracle on 34th Street. Yes, one of the OGs. I mean, even the freaking U.S. Postal Service agrees that Ed McGuinn's Chris Kringle is legally Santa. So this is the real. This is the real Santa, you guys. Case closed. And then shouts to claymation movies by Rankin Bass, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, despite its misogyny and shaming of people for wanting to be different. I mean, eventually it comes around, but only when they're useful. I was like, this is a very problematic movie, but it's still adorable. And also Santa Claus is Coming to Town, where Chris Kingle is a ginger. Ooh. Love it. I'll have to watch that one. <laughs> He's kind of hot for a claymation figure. Like, okay. Chris can get it. <laughs> How about you, Anders? So, I mean, obviously I have to mention the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> I'm out. Goodbye. <laughs> I am not sorry that I convinced Flo to watch that. <laughs> Oh, are you talking about the original, not the last? Yeah, now? I'm talking about the original. It, it, That's my, wild. My, my honorable mention goes to the original. No, obviously that movie, that special is absolutely terrible. Like you only watch it to watch how much of a train wreck it is. Yes. Um, so oh my, my other ones, obvious, A Christmas Story. Um, just such a good movie. I always wanted to be vegan as a kid, but my mom wouldn't let me. My dad would have bought me one in an instant, <laughs> but my mom wouldn't let him. Um a show that absolutely does holiday specials so, so well. Rugrats, their yeah. original Christmas and Hanukkah specials from Preach. the early 90s are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out Doctor Who's version of A Christmas Carol with Matt Smith being the doctor mm -hmm. and kind of, I mean, that special involves like clouds with flying fish over a city and he has to convince the person in control of the clouds to let them lighten up so that the people can get their stuff. Very, very weird, as all Doctor Who is. Um, and then one that I think gets a bad rap because it is a little bit darker. It, it, I can see where people would find it kind of creepy, but the Polar Express, the Tom Hanks version, the Robert mm. Zemeckis, like um, pretty much all motion cap. Such a good movie. The music in that movie, some of the, especially some of the wider shots are just so, so gorgeous. And I love watching that one. So, Flo, how about you? So, again, most of my holiday movies are French, and I will send you a full list of French movies that you can watch at your leisure whenever <laughs> you feel like it, and I will put them on Instagram as my tops because that's really what my top is. But I do want to shout out the Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, available mm -hmm. on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's a series of, I think, three short stories, um, starting off with, like, the Christmas every day 
short, which is so cute with Huey, Dewey, and Louie reliving Christmas every day and um, kind of just like finding the meaning of Christmas, which is so cute. Uh, and I cry every single time at the Mickey and Minnie one where they like buy something for each other, but then the other person sold the thing that went with the present. But the, oh my God, it's so sad. Have you seen that one, Anders? You, you're like, I have, I have seen that one, but yeah, no, that, that's, that's a reference, uh, I think, to a uh, gift of the Magi. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, sorry. Minnie buys him like a harmonica case, but he sold his harmonica to get her like a chain for her oh, locket, man. which she sold. I cry every single time. It's so ridiculous, but so sweet. Just love it. Um, I also want to shout out any of the Friends Christmas episodes, specifically the Holiday Armadillo episode. Good call. Good call. <laughs> just, just amazing. Also, I want to go back to the Rugrats Hanukkah special. I grew up Christian and the Rugrats um, Jewish special, specifically Hanukkah and Passover, were really my only exposure to mm-hmm. Jewish culture as a kid and now as a Jew and raising a Jewish kid with a Jewish husband I like realize how rare that was in 90s television and just in 90s culture period and so the Rugrats episodes are really held to just a different standard among the Jewish community that it's just like this is peak this is great and so then to have in Friends the Gellers also be Jewish. That's it was just really great to see the holiday armadillo, see them light the menorah. Um, I, I just love it. And then finally, one of my favorite holiday specials of all, Benny Hanna Christmas part one and two from the office. <laughs> That's a good one too. Um, we're a big office family, and so we we watch the Christmas specials a lot. Uh, but Benny Hanna is just it's a winner of an episode. <laughs> so if you haven't watched it lately, go watch The Office before it goes off Netflix uh, very, very soon. So go watch it now. Mm. Sarah, what about you? Yeah, so I grew up Jewish. So like watching Christmas movies was really for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, I did a little bit of Christmas movies when I was growing up because I still got to celebrate Christmas because my dad did Christmas. Um, so shouts to the Rugrat special for making me feel special. That was like a really big deal. Cause like for me, holiday movies aren't something that I watch every year. So it's been really nice to get some cheer with you three. Um, so shouts to one that I would watch when I was younger was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Year Without Santa Claus. Cause like, just like I'm a sucker for Muppets and Puppets, I'm a big sucker for stop motion artistry. And I really, really appreciated that when I was younger. Um, And then big shouts to the Legos Star Wars holiday special that we did an episode on because it celebrates Life Day, which to me, again, it just makes it feel so much more inclusive. And I feel included in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are just so many great Star Wars jokes and connections made throughout the entire piece with a lot of important shouts to the Rebels world between worlds that I really, really love this movie. And if you want to hear us talk about it, you can totally enjoy that episode. Um, But I think, folks, that's where we'll leave it today. Um, Keep an eye out for Instagram to see our top list of holiday movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you so much for being with us and come back next time when we continue to explore those geeky goodies, like Mm -hmm. our new series where the BGS ladies are exploring Outlander And coming up just after Christmas, we'll have our Mandalorian full season two roundup. 
You can enjoy us in our podcast or YouTube format. Either way, please subscribe and leave us five-star reviews. Check out our website at bohemiangeekstudies.com where you can watch all of our episodes. Enjoy Colleen's book corner where she's reviewing Star Wars literature and contact us through email and social media. Remember, you can follow us on, us on Twitter and Instagram for a chance to win our incredible holiday gift giveaway. And as always, please keep telling other nerdy knights to join us because it really does help. Until next time, keep that precious, precious, precious holiday spirit up. Remember, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is sing loud for all to hear and keep those episodes streaming. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. everybody. Um, I want to do one more cheers, actually, for the holidays. One okay. more, one more. Because, yeah, I just love you guys. Love you guys. Mm -hmm. I love you guys, too. Cheers. <laughs>